0: Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount, and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about a view from an inspector with the help of special guest Aaron Wingert of LP Building Solutions in Kansas City, Missouri. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. I am Tim Fowler, and I'm really excited about hosting this podcast today. Keep your ideas coming to me, and we'll keep going with a great show. So when I first started building and remodeling in a small town in southern Georgia. The town had a building department. I believe it was two people. I think there was the chief building official, and then there was one inspector. The county outside the town had no building department. So while I was building in the county, it was pretty much whatever you did was what you did. There was nobody looking over our shoulder. So a lot of the, you know, contractors in town really love working in the county. But the, the truth of the matter is, even the town inspections were not that tough. And certainly the codes have changed a lot since uh, since then. So before I left town, probably six years later, on good terms, by the way, it wasn't run out of town, the, the county did have a building department. So less than if you think I had life easy... I moved back to the Washington, D.C. area where I grew up, and every aspect around uh, that area had building officials, had inspection systems, and one of the biggest challenges was the Washington, D.C. city itself uh, for many, many different reasons, but it was kind of like playing roulette with no positive payout when we we're dealing with that kind of inspection. I've heard it's gotten a lot better, uh, but it keeps evolving. So no matter what your circumstances are, almost everybody that's listening to this podcast has an experience with inspectors. Uh, in some parts of the country, I'm thinking, I know Seattle, uh, Washington is very, very tough. It can be very, very cumbersome. In other parts of the world, it's very, very easy But it's always there. And so part of what we have to deal with or part of what we have to work with is the building uh, process. So I've done a lot of seminars on this. And and it's really just exciting to have somebody on the show today. Now, he was introduced as working for LP at this point. Uh, Our guest is a former inspector. And so we're going to get some of his experiences when he was an inspector. He's in the Kansas City area. So we're gonna talk about this in the context of the questions and answers that we have, but I've heard a lot of games that people play. And this often comes up in seminars. I'll be talking about working with inspectors and somebody will almost always raise their hand and say, I just leave the nails out of one of the hangers and that way they are happy because they found some problem. And then I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I don't think it's that simple. Uh, I think it 's more about working on a, a a relationship uh with the building inspector, so Steve, your experience what do you what do you have to share with us
0: yeah, I mean obviously you say that I do get a little chill every time you say building inspector but that 's <laughs> just the point of you know there is a negative light sometimes, but at the end of the day, they are the very valuable part of building, and um I always thought that it just came down to the fact that I was responsible for. Having things done, having a clean site for them to walk into and have a smile on my face from there, (laughs) you know, it was up to them. But um, I'm very excited for Aaron to be here. And so uh, Aaron Wingert has been a market development manager for Louisiana Pacific for two and a half years and lives in Kansas City area. Prior to working for LP, he spent nearly 16 years as a building codes inspector Chief inspector and plans examiner with two jurisdictions in the Kansas City area. In that time, he did inspections of all phases of work by all trades and remodels and new construction, residential, multifamily, and all types of commercial construction. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Yeah,
1: thank you, Steve. Good to be with you, uh, Tim and Steve. All right. So let's just jump right into it. I guess maybe give us a little history here. Why did you get into be an inspector i guess that's one of the first questions and just give us a little bit of your experience with
2: it well i had uh, i'd gone to school for construction project management all throughout college uh, a little bit after college i worked for a residential builder that uh that got caught in some some tough times and <laughs> he had he had explored an opportunity working for a local jurisdiction as a codes inspector uh he needed a parachute and and he found one in that and it was it was an interesting change. Now I had gone to school for construction project management to be a, a superintendent or a PM for probably a large commercial company or, or something. And, um, I had I had actually gone to work as an estimator for a turnkey framing and, and lumber outfit, and and really was looking for a change a couple of years out of college. And um, that 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 former employer came knocking, and it it really was a great opportunity, and I took it. So. Uh, that that's really what got me started. Uh, so I was very wide-eyed. You know, I came out knowing a lot about construction theory, construction management, just, you know, sh- structural systems, things like that. Couldn't have told you how to wire a bathroom. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you, you yeah. come in with, with with certain depth of experience in certain phases and no experience in others, and it uh, you, you learn to develop really quick. Um, so that's really how I got my start.
1: So what was the education? I guess a lot of people don't know, but what, what kind of an education does a building inspector, at, with your experience, it may be different in different places, but what kind of education do they give you in terms of getting you up to speed on code and so forth like that? And maybe even a little bit on how to deal with that contractor that in some cases, it it doesn't feel like we're on the same page.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like asking how long is a rope. Uh, <laughs> what's true where I worked may not be true, you know, in, right. in the jurisdiction next door or across the state or the country. Um, so I'll speak from personal sure. per- experience. We were very uh, real world. They, you know, the, the department I went to work for liked to hire guys out of the trades. They didn't want green college kids, they didn't want somebody that's been selling insurance for his whole life to now become an inspector. They wanted guys that were out wiring or framing to where they came in with a certain knowledge base that they could be cut loose on something uh, and, and and have a foundation on which to build those skills. Now, certain you know municipalities or even states have minimum licensing requirements. Uh, some have none. Uh, I work in a state where there are none. Um, you can be an inspector tomorrow. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to do anything. Um, so it's it varies. It vi- varies quite a bit. So whenever, whenever I was hiring guys, I wanted guys from the trades. Uh, that was the people I wanted because, by golly, I knew that they could they could interact on a job site more often than not, uh, and and bring some credibility to their inspections.
1: So did you just say that where you worked, there was really no formal education before you started working? No,
2: no it was on the job, uh, working, you know, obviously peer-to-peer mentoring and uh, you spend a lot of time in the truck with a more senior guy, uh, months in a lot of cases. And uh, yeah. as I became that senior guy over the course of my career, yeah, I'd take these these young guys or, or new guys, not even necessarily young guys, new guys. Right. And, and as I... Get them out in the world and, and get them on inspections. You start simple, you start small. And eventually, I start cutting you loose to do a certain type of inspection on a certain type of project. Uh, it might be water heaters. It might be, you know, somebody just, you know, changed a light. You know, who knows? It okay. could be pretty cool stuff uh, where they can't get themselves in trouble. They can't cause the contractor. Uh, too much grief because they aren't getting into things they don't understand. So, And so, like I said, that, that honestly takes years to develop an inspector into a full, fully right. capable resource where you can go out on any type of project, even in residential alone. We're not even talking commercial. It can take years before they're truly an, a, a full asset to that department and, and to the building community.
1: Yeah, um, so, so I guess one of the things I'm thinking is that Whenever a remodeler or contractor encounters a new face, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that it's discounted. I'm just saying understand that they may have have a limited amount of experience or they may have uh, they may be new to this process and so some understanding really needs to take place in that situation.
2: It does, and and that new face always has a boss, and yeah. and I've been that boss, I've had that boss, and it's and it's as a contractor, uh, you know, you, you ultimately you know make every effort to work with that new face, but but you know that new face is going to make a bad call, he's going to tell you you got to do something that you know is not right. Work with him when when you hit a wall, that's when you contact his boss. You do it in a proactive manner. Everybody learns from it; it's a teachable moment, you know.
1: Yeah, when I was at the at the D.C. area with Hopkins and Porter, I knew the chief builder, the supervising building inspector from Montgomery County by name. I shook his hand. I talked to him personally. And there was a few times when I had to call him. Uh, Only a couple of times was the inspector at fault. There was a couple of times when I was at fault. I, I made a mistake and I needed his help. To get it rectified, and so I had his phone number, and I could call him. And I think that's a fabulous uh, idea. There, just know who
2: the supervisor is, so you can
1: call him when you need to.
2: And Tim, to your point, I've always said, whether you're an inspector or a contractor, the ability to eat crow, you know, <laughs> cook it well, <laughs> when you need when yeah. to, it is it's a character uh, trait that, that hopefully everybody has. Yeah. We're out, you know. Yeah so what do you
1: think uh from your from that inspector's side of it what do you think the most critical thing a a builder or a remodeler can do in terms of a good relationship with the inspectors they work with
2: sure well i mean any number one thing be at your inspections okay i think most of your listenership probably is thinking what of course <laughs> I'm doing my inspections but i'll be honest with you that you know 25 percent of the, the the inspections i would do I did by myself. So then I'm left to to writing it down, typing it in, leaving a printed out sheet on a job site or chicken scratching it on a job site, depending on technology. And I got to write it down in a way that you can find exactly what I'm talking about. Understand exactly what I want. And that leaves, that's challenging for me. It's certainly challenging for a contractor that leads to slowdown. So being there, obviously being approachable, um, I had a, I had an old supervisor that built salty inspector that would say, you, Mr. Builder dictate to me how your inspection goes, <laughs> you do throw a fit. I'll camp out, argue every call <laughs> I make, I'm going to make more calls, you know, because it was serving of my attention at that point. If I, if, if you're there to own the work you do, own the mistakes you make, own the awesome stuff you do, um, you know, when you get no items on an inspection list. We shake hands. We all smile, and I leave. You know, if you get seventy-five items on that inspection list, at least you understand them. Um, hopefully, we've had good conversation during that whole inspection, and, and, and being there is just critical. It just is.
1: So, when I was uh, introducing everything, I alluded to these things that people say in seminars and stuff. You know, it's like leave out some nails, or you know, you know, whatever. Anything like that valid in terms of the way inspectors uh,
2: approach jobs? No, I, you know we were never paid on commission for writing items. <laughs> uh, at, at my annual performance reviews, they never said, "Aaron, you passed every inspect." You know, you, you you passed X amount of inspections the first time without writing any rev- or any any corrections. Uh, never. I I took pride in being able to work with a contractor to the point of hey. This guy knows what we want in this jurisdiction. He knows what I'm looking for. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. We've worked together enough, or he's just that darn good that I can shake his hand and write him an approval and he can hang sheetrock or move those folks in. Um, leaving something for me is it was, was there's no benefit in that. Honestly, I think it erodes trust if I find if I knew what's going on. Um, because I, I feel like you, you're being a rodeo clown at that point over here going. You know, look over this way. You know, I don't want you looking over there. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Don't don't leave things for the inspector to find. Take pride in doing the best work you can, and that inspector will notice.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point because it it does create that mistrust, and I do think there's a huge point where trust is absolutely critical, and I guess that kind of relates to, like, what do you do when – or what do I do, let's say, when – I really think I've understood the code properly, but my inspector, you in this case, is saying, no, I'm not gonna pass you. I I had this recently come up on one of my job sites here in Rhode Island with a window that I built a deck in front of this window. And I was thinking it was gonna have to be switched out with safety glass. When we looked at the code, the square footage of the glass actually allowed us just to leave it. Right. But I had a little conflict with the inspector about it. So I'm just wondering, like, what do you recommend in that kind of a situation where we, honest, the builder honestly believes they've got it right, the inspector saying, no, it has to be done this other way? How do you think the best way to handle that is?
2: I think, first of all, we've got to rule out that 20% of the population, whether they're builders or they're inspectors or police officers or whatever they are, they have to be right, all the time. They need to be right, and no amount of proof or argument or uh, you know evidence to the contrary is going to prove, prove that. So let's set those people aside and assume that we're the, that the inspector is somebody who's open to discussion. You're somebody who's open to discussion. As a contractor, you know I recommend you have that code book. You engage that contractor and say, man, I really understood this another way. I've read this. I've read the code book. Let me go get it out of my truck. Let's look this up and, and help me understand where you're coming from. That twenty percent guy's going to go. Nope, my way. <laughs> fix it. And you but pretty much you have it? you pretty much have to deal with that. At, at that point, you got to call his boss. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You, okay. You, gotta, and you have the same conversation I just described with his boss, and right. say, "Man, I'm reading section R three eleven point whatever of the you know." 2012 IRC, and I, you know, I understand it this way, but I'm being told this in the field. Can we talk? Okay. A building department should not say no to that. They should, they should, they should sit down with you, or at least have a conversation okay. over the phone and say, "Hey, we interpret it this way," or maybe they amended the code, so your book reads one way and their amendment reads another. So there's there's always that potential too. Okay. Um, so best thing to do, sit them down. Don't say, "Hey, prove it to me." because you as a contractor have that burden of proof. Sadly, maybe not. Maybe that's not the right thing, but you have that burden of proof to prove that you're doing things right. Uh, so, and the, the best thing you can do is have that book, be willing to open it up, know your way around it. I, ca- I cannot tell you, Tim, how many guys, I have been doing this for 47 years and I've never seen that in the code book. Right. What my next question was, what color is your code book? <laughs> because honestly... Usually, when a guy's making that argument, he's not well versed in the code. He's yeah. well versed in doing what he's accustomed to, and I'm, you know, I'm well versed in the code, and I, you know, I, I want to make it educational. I want to make him learn from it uh, or help him learn from it. But that's not always the case. So, be approachable, be, be friendly. Don't be confrontational. But you have every right as a permit holder, as a, as a, as a, as a contractor who's who's going through the proper channels to request two minutes of their time to look at a code.
1: So So what about those situations? Scheduling is a big deal. Scheduling is a tough thing and it sure is easier not to have to wait for an inspector, you know, but what happens in your mind? What are some of the things a contractor can do when they really are up against a deadline? I mean, seriously, a deadline and they've failed an inspection, which basically in many jurisdictions means now you call it in again. In some cases you wait an extra day. So now you're two days behind. Is there anything that you'd recommend in terms of, uh, contractors doing working with the code officials?
2: Well, it's always tough. And I mean, it depends on circumstances. You know, if, if if you're being turned down for one little thing, Hey, can I fix this really quick? Um, if, if I, as an inspector had to teach or treat everybody very fairly, you have to be equitable. You have to, you can't, I can't show favoritism to you, but not this guy over here. But to that end, they also, we're human. And we understand that if we have a working relationship, um, I know Tim is going to put that nail plate over that piece of pipe on that plate before he hangs sheetrock. I know he's going to do it. I'm going to ask Tim. Hey, your Tim's going to ask me, can I take a picture of this Aaron Any and different? text it to you? Okay. One onesie little thing. I was usually pretty cool about that kind of stuff. If I knew it wasn't going to kill somebody, or it wasn't, you know, the, you know, end of the world kind of thing. Um, if I'm on my 3rd reinspection with you and you've been working off the same list and paring it down, we're not doing pictures. I'm coming back and we'll see you next time, you yeah. know. So it, it's very uh, circumstantial. Um, there's really no great solution to that other than just be as good at what you do as you can. Be thrilled, be at that inspection. Sometimes it's just a matter of hey, throwing the, you mentioned joist hanger nails, maybe we're missing a couple. Yeah. Well he's writing items or well, he's going through checking the other room, bang them in. Say, hey man, I got those done. You know, can you scratch that off?
1: Uh, so what one of the things that frustrated me, this was back in the DC area, um, was that the codes would change and we never got notified. In other words, in particularly electrical and plumbing codes were the, the building code itself didn't change that often, but the electrical codes changed a lot. And we would uh, we would be out on a job doing things exactly the way it was six months ago and the inspector would show up. So do you have any ideas about how building contractors can stay current on codes uh, so yeah. that they don't get
2: caught that way? Two for sure. Um, You know, obviously most, most areas have continuing education. Nobody likes that word. I mean, it's, it's time away from a job site, but continuing ed on the code changes is is typically available in most areas. I always recommend contractors take those, take those classes that go over those significant changes. They don't want to take a class. I get it. Uh, The ICC, for instance, if we're talking the international residential code, those guys you know, if you switch from the 2009 to the 2012, they've got a book that they published that's, you know, it's, thick, it's as thick as a couple of magazines That uh, that is a significant changes from one code edition to the next. Uh, that, that you as an electrician or whoever can look up in that electrical chapter and go, ooh, that changed. Oh, man, i got to add art faults now. Holy cow. You know, well, we um, that's done there. That's always there at a local level. Um, you may or may not realize, but your city council has review sessions on adoption of new codes. They don't just adopt them. Uh, there's always, they may railroad them right through, but there's always an opportunity for you as a contractor, you as a citizen to weigh in on that. And, and that's where knowing your building department, staying in close contact with them so you know what's going on. If you have, if you have concerns, you can go in and, and, and voice those. At a, at a local level. Before, you know, that's how amendments get made. Right. Because, uh, you know, as a building department, uh, I'm not going to amend the code. I want to adopt as close to that model code as I can. Amendments are typically pushed by NARI and the Home Builders Association and other trade groups of, that, that represent, uh, you know, builders and remodelers. So, Aaron, uh,
0: when you're walking onto a job site and you know this builder is just type a he gets everything done how do you because you know later in my years where i really kind of you know knew how things were going and, and knew the inspectors coming out it was a friendship you know i mean basically the first name basis i mean i still keep in touch with uh plans examiner a couple building inspectors but um how do you kind of keep on your pace to make sure that you're dotting all eyes and crossing all T's, where even though you know these builders are so, because I I remember inspectors would come in and they'd say hi and they'd start signing the paper. I was like, well, hey, can you uh, just keep looking around? It's important.
2: Double <laughs> well, check. I I, I I once had an inspector come to my own home and he knew I was an inspector and he checked to see if my trap leaked on a on a on a whole remodel. I mean, whether the trap leaked. And I remember being frustrated by that. Yeah. Well, man, I I I feel like the process should be playing out here. You know, yeah. I I want that second set of eyes. Yeah. To your question, Steve, I think uh, getting you know an inspector typically is going to have his his points. He's going to look his his process, how he walks through a, a remodel or an addition or a new home or whatever it is. Um, and I think a good inspector, somebody with some good you know good integrity, is going to let that play out. He's going to do that. Uh I, I love to talk fishing with my builders or, or, you know, talk family or anything as we did that inspection and yeah. I'm still doing the inspection. I'm still hitting all my points to make sure everything's done. Um, that being said, uh, like I said earlier, there are guys that you learn after time or are more deserving of your time than somebody who is really trying and who doesn't a, a largely does a good job. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow that process down on somebody when I feel that if I hurry, I'm gonna miss it or miss something. You know, And those are the kind of things that I haven't, I haven't inspected in over two and a half years, and that's still the stuff that keeps you up at night. You know, when you hear about a house fire, yeah, or a pool drowning, or anything in, in a jurisdiction where you used to work, you, uh, you perk up a little bit. And and uh, I was very thorough through my whole time there. Yeah, uh, I tried to be well liked, and then you get along, and you you have to balance that that good bedside manner, so to speak. Yeah. With, being the guy that just hands the, the approval out the window. So that brings up an interesting
1: question. What in, in your jurisdictions, what is the liability for a building inspector versus the contractor? So in other words, if a building inspector misses something, are they held responsible for that legally, or is there an
2: indemnity where really it it doesn't matter? Um, it it kind of comes down to gross negligence is, is the key word. So if let's just say we're engaged in a lawsuit with a homeowner or a death occurred, that's a, that's actually a better example. A death occurred from some failure that took place between a builder and an inspector, regardless of land. I, you didn't do it. I missed it. Somebody right. died. A uh, family paid with their life up in the mountains of Colorado. I don't remember the jurisdiction. It's one of those very, very high dollar uh, areas where, you know, your home is six million dollars or plus. Uh, a, a family was uh, they, they, it was a brand new home, like a spec home, and a family won a trip to stay. Uh, they were a Denver family, two kids and two parents uh, won a weekend trip uh, as, as part of a promotion to uh, stay in this home, and they died in their sleep due to carbon monoxide um, And a lot of people had to had, had to had to go through the, the, the you know, prosecution and all that. It was essentially a, 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 a high-efficient gas vent, PVC vent, one glued, came undone, oh. and carbon monoxide into the home. And uh, that that inspector was charged with the, I believe, manslaughter, or something similar to it, uh, for missing an unglued fitting. Um, and, and that's the kind of stuff that gives me nightmares. Yeah. They, they, they essentially charge gross negligence on that job. Uh, yeah. To me and to the jurisdictions I always worked in, gross negligence is something's wrong in the master bedroom and I, during the course of my inspections, never went in that master bedroom. Didn't right. even try. I was grossly negligent of not trying. It's different than making a mistake. It's different than not knowing. Uh, so yes, for gross negligence, I could be held personally or criminally, criminally liable. Um, to everything else, to the, to the uh, man, we, we should have caught it, but we didn't. Uh, tort laws tend to prevent, um, me getting really hamstrung, uh, or even the city, you you know, legal fees, things like that. But, but actually, you know, criminal or or civil penalties are are pretty minimal, but I will tell you, you know, a lot of people kind of go, man, my inspector is a boy scout. He is by the book. (laughs) I guess probably had to stand tall before the man a few times on those type of things. Not A family dying. That's by, that's certainly an extreme case. But the lady that that sues that contractor that she just can't can't get happy with. Yeah, I get deposed in those things. I get called in by those groups of attorneys, and my work gets called into question. And and it's it's not something that just you know oh it was approved. No, they don't do that. They dig in, and uh, yeah. that's that's an uncomfortable position for a building inspector. And contractors should realize that when when we are Boy Scouts about it, sometimes that's the reason. Uh, yeah. that, that really, they're protecting your interest as a contractor, their interest as a, as a private citizen and working for a public entity. Um, and, and certainly they're protecting that public entity and any exposure financial or otherwise uh, that, that, that that entity might have you know, in that type of that type of lawsuit or God forbid death or injury case or anything like yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I had this experience, again, back in the D.C. area when I was with Hopkins and Porter, where I can't remember all the details, but the inspector showed up on the job, and he was very, very particular and not very pleasant. And um, I tried to, you know, kind of figure out what was going on, and it turned out that he had just gotten back from being in a court case. And, you know, he had basically said to himself and maybe to everyone else, all right, no more Mr. Nice Guy or, mm-hmm. you know, we're you, you're going to put me through all that. And so I think there's a lot of things that builders need to understand about inspectors, that it isn't just like a cakewalk where you walk around and you just, you know, wave your hands and no responsibility and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of pressure there. And so uh, there that that need for Uh, Team is really, really critical. So as we start to, oh, I want to make a comment too that it sounded like what you were saying in terms of staying up to date on the code is contractors really have to be proactive. In other words, typically the building department isn't going to send out an email and say, oh, by the way, we're starting to do, you know, arc fault protection now. The contractors really have to take it seriously uh, if they're going to stay up with it.
2: Yeah, it's going to vary by department. Yeah, I think the email isn't too much to ask. You know, if if I'm changing codes and I'm a jurisdiction, yeah, I should email blast or mailer or something to let my my licensed contractors in that area right. know. But but yeah, you you hit on it exactly. Being yeah. proactive as a contractor keeps you up to snuff. It uh, you know one one other thing, I, I even had a uh, I had a remodeler uh, reach out to me one time. They they said, Aaron, you're kind of new in this jurisdiction. You're just killing us on fire blocking. It's something that we've never had to do before, and we we do not understand. And they had a lot of lead carpenters and a lot of guys out there that that just none of them understood fire blocking because they never had to do. It. And I went I went to their office and did a toolbox talk, and we we essentially did a a, a how to fire block. And I tell you what, that was probably 12 years ago. And when I see those guys, they still make an appointment to point out the fire blocking. So <laughs> not every jurisdiction is going to do that for you. But I think any jurisdiction is going to appreciate, recognize, and maybe really accept a proactive approach on your part to uh, to learn that code, to uh, to stay up on things and to improve. Um, I think that's the best attitude a, a contractor can take.
1: Cool. So as we wrap this up, Aaron, what you know, maybe last little nugget of information can you give our listeners? just how to work with building
2: inspectors very effectively? Be friendly. It, it's it's kind <laughs> to work with anybody. When you get pulled over by a policeman, if you yell at him, you're getting a bigger ticket, right? <laughs> world, but, you know, at the end of the day, I want to go home and hang out with my kids. Yeah. I don't, don't want to have high blood pressure. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be friendly. You know, we may not, we may not go have beers afterwards or we may, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those things that you know, now I'm I'm in a unique position working for LP. Now I'm I as a sales rep, and kind of technical sales. where the guys that I was out kicking around on job sites for 16 years. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell LP sports, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 been an interesting dynamic. And I kind of I kind of go, man, I'm glad I was kind of nice to that guy. I'm glad yeah. he's I'm glad I know he likes fishing. I know he's you know married and has a kid that plays soccer. And getting to know those people. Uh, makes those inspections go so much smoother. Uh be approachable, don't be combative if you can help it. If you are combative, if you're that type, say hi and go sit in the truck and say now <laughs> do my thing, you know? my um, that's it, that's better for everybody, you know? Uh. Communicate, communicate, communicate all day long and, and, and uh, you know know that know that you as a contractor really In most cases, aside from that 20% weird group that we just can't deal with, that 80% of people want you there for that inspection. They want to help you get through this. They don't get any pleasure or bonus out of slowing you down. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Aaron. No, my pleasure, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of give – give that
0: other side a little bit. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And hopefully we can have you on again to talk uh, more about building materials and what you're doing now. So
2: thanks so much. Appreciate it very much, guys. Take care. Thank you.
0: Tim, that was a fantastic episode. I love talking to Aaron. Uh, What are some of the things you learned?
1: Well, I think he reinforced a couple of things. Number one for me was getting to know the supervisor for any department. And I use that illustration about the safety glass and I did end up having to go to the chief, uh, town building official here and having that conversation. And it worked out in my favor where we didn't have to replace that window. So I think that's a a big deal. Uh, I think the other thing that was reinforced for me is, is be ready. Don't leave anything deliberately. It's, it's a silly game. And as soon as they, you erode that trust, or you fail to build the trust, you're you're in trouble. So I'd say, you know, know your codes, really work to make sure everything's ready and uh, embrace the inspection process.
0: Yeah. And it's it sets you apart as a builder to, you know, to be able to put out this great product. You've got your design, your sales team, your builders, but the inspectors are a part of that in you putting out a fantastic product that is safe and long lasting. So, I mean, they really are an integral part and to have any type of uh, wall up or defensive towards them, it just, it's never going to work. They're there to help you build a better
1: product. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is that in general, they are just a second set of eyes and the things that they're looking for are safety issues mm-hmm. typically in the long run. And not that it's ever going to, not that it will come back to bite us every time, but sometimes we just miss things. And so we want to be really careful, but again, embrace the process, make it work for you.
0: And I do like, I used to have an employee who was a former owner himself. And every time an inspector would show up on the, uh, Sight, he would get purple with rage. I said, Listen, you're not meant to be here. So I liked Aaron's suggestion is if you can't handle it, go sit in the truck.
1: Yeah, that was kinda of, kind of funny. So
0: once again, we would like to thank Aaron Winger for joining us today. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show.
1: And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training.
0: This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.